0: but thank you all for coming along so early on a Saturday morning when uh, you could very well be sleeping or or enjoying uh, a relaxing coffee. What I'd like to do is start the conversation um, by reporting on the results of a study that I recently completed with my my colleague Jonathan Bright from the Internet Institute. Uh, And the study is basically a survey or a stocktake of the field of peace and conflict studies. And the motivation behind the paper is the idea that we use the term peace and conflict studies a lot. It's a common moniker, there are research institutes that carry the, la- uh, the label, academic degrees, programs, conferences, journals, all use the term pretty regularly. But despite the fact that it's such a common term, there's long been a suspicion that we probably all held that peace and conflict studies isn't really a coherent discipline, but rather it's a collection of disparate scholars and disparate studies that can really be divided into two groups. Studies of war and violence on one hand and studies of peace, peacemaking and peace building on the other hand. Given this suspicion my colleague and I decided to investigate whether or not this is the case. And so in this study we've been asking the overall question, does the study of peace and conflict constitute uh, a coherent academic discipline? And to do so, we've asked two empirical questions. Firstly, what do we as a group of scholars actually study when we study peace and conflict? Is it peace or is it war? If we actually do study both peace and war, then is there any interrelationship between those two sets? Of literature. Why are we asking these questions? It's not just navel-gazing, it's not just us trying to work out what we spend our days doing, but we think that there's a really important sort of ontological aim to this project. Because the field of peace and conflict studies, unlike pretty much any other discipline in the social sciences, is underwritten by a normative goal. We may try to pretend that we're objective political scientists or otherwise, but there is a normative foundation to what we do. And the logic is that we study conflict processes, ultimately, to give rise to ideas that could facilitate the peaceful management of conflict. That's why we do what we do. If we're to collectively realise that goal, then it makes sense that we would study war and violence. It makes sense that we'd study efforts to prevent, manage, respond to violent conflict. It makes sense we'd look at the relationship between war, war making and peacemaking. And it also makes sense that there would be dialogue between those who study war and those who study peacemaking. But is that actually the case in practice? This is what we tried to work out in, in this study. Um, so just to walk you through the, the methods and the finding, the first question. What do we study when we study peace and conflict? Is it peacemaking and or war making? It is Saturday morning uh, and I would simply freak you out if I gave you too many methods and too much of a methodological discussion, so I won't burden you with that, but let me briefly suggest how we've done the study. Together with uh, some DPhil students from the Department of Politics here, Sarah Usher and Donna Landau, Uh, We examined 900 articles from 18 leading journals, Peace and Conflict Journals and Journals of International Relations. Um, What we were most interested in when we read these articles is what the ultimate substance of the article is. Is the article about conflict prevention? Is it about conflict processes, so war and violence? Is it about conflict responses, peacemaking and peacekeeping? Or is it a combination of the above? Is it about peace and conflict, if you like? Uh, so we gathered, uh, read the articles and coded them that way. We also gathered uh, information on the methods used, citations, uh, biographic details, authors, institutional affiliation, uh, etc. cetera. Um, putting all that together, what did we find? So th- these are the results of, of what we study. It turns out that a majority of what we study in the field conflict processes, war and violence. More than half of the articles that we looked at focus on war and violence specifically. Around about a quarter of the articles focus on conflict responses, so peacemaking, peacekeeping. Um, And there were lesser numbers uh, of articles that looked at conflict prevention uh, and combinations thereof. So, first takeaway is A plurality, a majority of articles, in fact, focus on war and violence, uh, but there is a limited number of studies of responses to war and violence. We weren't just interested in numbers, but we were interested in what the field respects and privileges uh, from a professional perspective. So we also looked at citation counts. Uh, And there were some complicated calculations that my co-author ran uh, which weighted uh, an average citation counts, and we don't need to go into the details of that, But, this is the breakdown over here. After being weighted, we found that conflict process articles, those on war and violence, uh, on average received 2.25 citations per year, which is considerably more than articles on conflict responses, prevention, or otherwise. Another way we can think about what the field privileges is by looking at, at journals. There's a lot going on here, so let me break it down for you. What we've done is uh, disaggregated our data according to the specific peace and conflict journals that we looked at, and then they're ranked according to impact factor. Left to right, top to bottom. So highest impact factor, lowest impact factor. What we need to take away from this is that all of the journals that have the highest impact factor, so here we have International Security, Journal of Peace Research, Journal of Conflict Resolution, all of them primarily publish on war and violence. The journal that primarily, almost exclusively, publishes on responses to war and violence, that is international peacekeeping, has the lowest impact factor in the field, despite the fact that it's a great journal and many of us read it. However, this does suggest to us what is professionally privileged. So to summarize what we study, in large part, it's conflict processes more than half the articles, are about war and violence. They're the most heavily cited, they're most heavily represented in the top top journals. However, we don't just study war. There's a significant body of work on conflict responses around about a quarter of the articles, and a very limited number that actually study war and peace in the same article. So given that we do study war and peace, albeit to, to different degrees, the second thing we wanted to ask in this paper is whether or not there is a relationship between studies of conflict processes and studies of conflict prevention or, or, or conflict response. Um, is there dialogue between the different subfields of, 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 of study in the discipline? This is where things get uh, methodologically a bit more complicated, and I must emphasise that um, my, uh, my my co-author is, is much smarter than I am, and he did all the clever technical work. Uh, that has gone into some of the graphs that I'm about to show you. Um, And so during the Q&A, if you have complicated methodological questions, uh, I'm going to uh, defer to him, and he couldn't be here this morning. Um, So so that gets me out of that hole. Um, What we basically did was take a bibliometric approach. So we looked at the citations of the articles and the categories that I've just described, and we tried to work out who cites whom. Our measures were sort of two measures. Firstly, we tried to work out Insularity. So we looked at the degree to which articles from one category cite other articles within that category as opposed to articles from another category. So how insular, how siloed are each of these categories that I've just uh, discussed. Um, And we also put together a full citation network map. Uh, You'll see it when we get to it, and I'll try to explain it then. Uh, But it's, it's, it's a little bit complicated to explain for the moment. Okay, so on the insularity side of things, um, don't worry too much about the calculations over there. Um, all we really need to know is that a calculation of insularity runs between minus one and one. Closer it is to minus one, the more insular a uh, uh, field is, the closer to one. Uh, the, the less insular it is, the more outward reaching. Um, and I guess the key takeaway here is that studies of conflict processes are relatively insular. Um, the, the numbers indicate that Articles on war on, on, on violence uh, are twice as likely to cite one another as they are to cite any of the other uh, sub areas of study. Um, articles on conflict response, interestingly, actually do a better job of reaching out uh, and citing uh, articles from, from other subfields. So, conflict process is pretty insular, conflict responses, not so much. But we're not just interested in insularity, but actually, who cites whom. And we're really interested to know whether or not those who study war and violence cite those who uh, study responses to war and violence, and vice versa. And that's what this graph over here uh, suggests for us. What you need to know about this this diagram, which again, my my co-author has put together for us, is the thicker the lines between each of the nodes the higher the number of citations between those nodes, the denser the connection between the nodes. So there are thick lines, there's a strong connection. If there's a thin line, there's a weak connection. What I want to highlight here is the very thin connection between studies of conflict processes, studies of war and peace, and conflict responses, uh, peacemaking, peace building. Very, very thin connection between the two key areas in what we study. That's reaffirmed with this, and this is the complicated uh, table that I had uh, alluded to earlier. Um, So what's going on here? What we did is we noted which journals primarily publish on conflict processes, war and violence, and which journals primarily publish on conflict responses, peacemaking, peacekeeping, etc. We then went to a database, Scopus database, extracted all of the articles from those journals, and we colour-coded all of the articles from conflict process journals red, and all of the articles from conflict response journals turquoise, and we then used a force-atlas algorithm, and again, I, I really uh, credit my, uh, my co-author with this. And what this does is it bunches articles that cite one another and diffuses articles that don't cite one another. It basically ends up giving us a visualisation of the connection between conflict process journals and conflict response journals. And it's a bit rough and ready because obviously not every article in one of those sets of journals is going to be about conflict process and response, but it gives us an idea. And you can see journals that primarily publish on conflict processes are pretty separate from journals that primarily publish on conflict, um, or or largely um, publish on, on conflict responses. So what do we take away from, from this? Um, is it a divided discipline? Well, it seems to be the case. Uh, studies of conflict processes are fairly insular. Conflict processes, uh, responses, uh, less so. Importantly, however, there's limited cross-citation between studies of conflict processes and studies of conflict responses. Thus, it's difficult to describe peace and conflict studies as a coherent community. It appears that the discipline is divided. So to close things out, I want to offer a a few provocations, really, rather than explanations of what's going on here. How can we make sense of it? Uh, How can we make sense of this this violence bias, um, we're calling it, in the field? How can we explain this division within the field? And to do that, we've looked at some correlations on the the biographic details uh, that that we gathered. So the first thing here is, is about data availability. And I guess the the explanation here would be that war and violence can be observed. Therefore, they can be explained and studied and explained empirically. Peace is often seen as a non-outcome, the absence of violence. It's really difficult to study a non-outcome empirically. So therefore, there's going to be a natural bias towards studying violence. Particularly, if you're focusing on quantitative methods, where almost all databases, until recently, have been focused on civil war data, basically. And so there's a question of of the data that's available. This really surprised us, actually. It turns out that the discipline is heavily gendered. Men are around three times as likely to study war and violence as responses to war and violence. For women, the, the figures are about the same. Now, in a way, this may play out to stereotypes. On the other hand, it was out, my assumption anyway, that there would be a sort of nurturing effect from those who go into studying peace and conflict. It turns out, however, that amongst those of us who study peace and conflict, men still keep on studying war to a greater extent than, than women, for which there is an even balance. Um, so that was a very striking finding. And because the vast majority of uh, articles in the field are written by men, it remains a male-dominated field, That means that, overall, there's a violence bias. Similarly, there's an Atlantic split, even more striking. Um, North America and Europe. North America, uh, scholars are around about four times more likely to write about conflict processes than any other topic. Apparently, in Europe, we're somewhat more pacifistic. Again, this is consistent with suspicions and stereotypes over time, but uh, it's interesting that our findings really confirm some of those suspicions. And this can be traced back to the origins of different kinds of institutions that were set up in Norway and Sweden back in the 50s and 60s as opposed to institutions that were set up in, in North America. Then they've become sort of institutionally reinforcing dynamics. However, it turns out that in in North America, it is the norm to study war and violence. Um, And and so we can have more of a conversation about that in the Q&A, if you like. So to conclude, we think out of our study that it's hard to describe peace and conflict studies as a coherent discipline. If we want to realize the ontological aim of the discipline, that is to understand conflict, to allow for peaceful conflict management, There needs to be further engagement between research areas than there is at present. That may become possible because there are new developments. There's uh, now new databases on peacekeeping, databases on mediation. That may allow for quantitative studies of uh, conflict responses. There are new publishing options, uh, online appendices, for example, Uh, blogs, Monkey Cage, Duck of Minerva, uh, political violence at a glance all give scholars the opportunity to write about, say, conflict processes in a journal article but conflict responses outside of that particular forum um, going forward. But importantly, there's also a need to try to combine, we think, uh, studies of conflict process and response in individual articles uh, and individual studies if we're to realise the, the goal of forum. Thank you very much, John. Our next speaker is Professor David Keane, and he will be speaking on war and peace, two sides of the same coin.